Welcome back to Aligning America. I'm your host, Vincent Miller, and let's get right into things. Uh, first story we're going to talk about is Biden's transitioning team. Of course, we're only about four weeks out, very, very close to his inauguration and, and you know, hopefully some meaningful action, though people are, are continuing and quite honestly beginning to increasingly worry that there will be no substantial change in the Biden administration. Now, had you asked me this during the primary of 2020, I think everyone would have said that Biden represented Obama, Biden represented 2012 to 2016. And people felt really good about that. It wasn't the hope and change of Obama's first term that they were looking for. It was the stability of his second, the very internationally applauded, very internationally, uh, quite honestly, connected more than anything with accolades from you know the unilateral uh, international governments. Uh, it, that's what they were looking for. That's what we were all looking for in that stability. It's what we were going to reaffirm in 2016 with Hillary Clinton until the upset with Donald Trump. That's what it was going for. Now, with that said, that doesn't mean much now, because looking at it, this is no longer 2016. This isn't 2012. This isn't even 2008. This is 2020, one of the most chaotic years on record of at least most people alive's livelihoods. And it it is requiring substantial change. It doesn't require a standstill government. It doesn't require nothing done and a nice status quo. It requires change. It requires support. It requires endeavors that are larger and, and, and haven't been matched since the Second World War. It's not a good spot for Joe Biden's team right now. It doesn't look good, not in an optics way, not in anything other than an actuality. It's going to be difficult for Biden's team that he has set up and his apparatus that he has set up to do anything meaningful policy-wise, judicially, or legislature pushed through in lower courts or anything. It, it's just not, nothing's going to happen. And that's going to be dangerous for his approval ratings. That's going to be dangerous for the Democratic Party. And we'll see those ramifications later down the line. Of course, we can't actually assume those now. We can't, we, we can't know the future. But looking at it now, with clear eyes looking into the future at any rate, hindsight will be 2020. But from what we can anticipate, it will continue to be a pretty rocky 2021 I can't imagine it suddenly dropping off, especially with some news stories that we're going to cover a little bit later that might, quite honestly, be a bit foreboding that might show, yeah, it's not going to get better until it gets a whole lot worse. So we'll see how it's treated. We'll see how it's handled. But moving on, it's it's really just, it's, it's a bit surprising. The hallmark of, of course, pandemic relief would be a stimulus check that is sent out to every American or at least every American on unemployment or anything, even means tested. Doesn't matter. That check, that that stimulus is needed for people. Not only will it affect the people who need to pay rent or buy groceries, it'll be the people who work at grocery stores who will get laid off when that grocery store doesn't see the same returns as it has been for the last months, years, decades. It'll be those people who need that rent money, who are landlords that run multiple properties that are now going to have to increase rent or lay, you know, quite honestly, be laid off in their own right. And, and that doesn't mean I'm more sympathetic to any class, but it, it does mean that we will start to see compounding ramifications for these lack of action, this this entire stalemate in the U.S. government. You look at internationally anyways, you look at what their governments have put through. You look at places like Canada, Germany, England, France. I mean, places like Italy that are equally swamped with lockdowns, places like Israel that are also on lockdown. At least their government is handing out the U.S. equivalent of some $3,000, $2,000, $1,000 a month. These have been recurring for almost a year now, it's hard to believe that we're, we've almost hit the year mark on the COVID experience, but we're getting close. So you're looking at these recurring payments that are, quite honestly, buoying those countries' economies. And then you look at the U.S. 
where it, it is it is anticipated that we will have the largest financial crash since who knows when could be far larger in scale than what we saw during the Great Depression if this goes unabated because at least then it was a smaller, more secluded market. You look at it now and everyone will be affected. And I understand that you could say, well, you know, at least we got through the depression. It was 10 years. We, yeah, but we had a war for stimulus, man. We had the ultimate manufacturing boom in the United States to release us from those financial woes. And then you look at us now, there will be, well, hopefully will be no war. And if there is a war, it's not like the general population will now be mobilized into making roads and making, you know, manufacturing jobs. That's not how it works anymore. Even if we saw it, we would still need the government to, to bail us out because most people don't work at a manufacturing plant anymore. And you could say that's a you know problem, but it's, it's not. It's just the way technology has improved. Jobs have changed. You want to give stimulus. You need to do it now. And so when Biden and folks go over saying, you know, get a job, job jobs bring meaning that's a bunch of crap. We need people with money because that money gets spent. Those people need, you know, they have kids to feed, man. Quite honestly, we're looking at a, a situation that is just going to get worse until the government acts. And it doesn't look like they want to anytime soon. The worst part of it is, of course, this upcoming election in Georgia, it, it could decide the future. Sure. But it also could mean nothing because if either one of those Republican senators retain their seat, that Senate isn't doing anything for the next four years. We will see no action on any front whatsoever. And if you think it's hard to pass a stimulus bill with a Republican majority with a Republican president right now, it's going to be real hard to do it with a Democratic president and a Republican Senate. Quite honestly, we're not going to see any movement. And, and it's, it's comical because we see people like AOC and Bernie Sanders and even Republicans like Josh Howley come out and say, we need to give stimulus to the working class. We need to make sure these people, you know, Nancy Pelosi famously on record as saying, you don't understand what the people need because we are the ones who feed them. No, you do not. You're not feeding anyone. That $600 from a few, or rather that $1,200 from a few months ago, that's gone now. You come to LA, that's one month's rent. Two, if you're lucky. Two, if you, you know, you know, you're not taking care of, you know, a full family, if it's not a mortgage for four people, it's not sustainable. So, and especially coupled with lockdowns, which are a necessity as we've seen which we'll talk about later, you can't, this combination doesn't go on any further than, than it already has because it's going to hit its limit and it's already hitting its limits and we'll talk about its limits later, but it's, it's getting unbearable and it's getting untenable. So moving forward, we need to see some sort of change. The only problem is not sure we're going to get it from Biden and, and this team that he's sending up, which is the, the most centrist of all centrist groups you've ever seen. Uh, which is great for bipartisanship, but it doesn't matter if neither side wants to do anything about it. All right, and our next story is everyone's favorite coupled news topics, nuclear warfare and Russia. Of course, we had a cyber attack over the weekend on the U.S. nuclear codes looking uh, at most likely being proctored by Russia. We're expecting at least some sort of statement coming out from the U.S. government or we would have if the president, of course, didn't wholeheartedly disagree with that narrative and claim it was fake news, claim that Russia had nothing to do with it. It was most likely China and the fallout. Well, the fallout doesn't exist because it's all being overblown by the news. Of course, people like Pompeo, former secretary of state Pompeo, Romney and Biden all called for increased defense spending on security. Of course, Trump has actually surprisingly somewhat decreased the spending on cybersecurity of nuclear codes. 
Why I say surprising is just because the government doesn't like to pull funds from the military. But of course, of all places, why not pull it from the nuclear defense? So we're looking at, of course, Russia's compromising the codes or at least the infrastructure of the codes, which is dangerous in its own right. Obviously, constantly scary, though, of course, I I don't personally believe any nuclear war would happen, especially not with relatively lax geopolitical climate right now. Um, you're not looking at a surprise attack from Russia, so don't worry. But with that said, it does show the leaps and bounds that other countries are getting ahead of with. And that is to say, with our military spending at its highest, of course, it never goes down. Uh, We still all, the United States itself has a larger military spending budget than the next 10 countries combined. Pretty terrifying statistic, seeing as we have failing healthcare systems and, and failing education systems. But With that said, that's not what we're here to talk about. We're talking about the geopolitical implications. What does this mean? What does Russia actually intend to do here? Who knows? They could sell the codes or or rather the infrastructure for the codes. They could sell that information to any group they so deemed necessary if it made them the money. Of course, Putin being a very reactionary guy, very reflexive guy. Uh, His government doesn't really stand for anything other than its own self-preservation, as most oligarchs slash dictatorships tend to shake out. Uh, it's a, it's an ideal of self-preservation. So, of course, this cyber attack is pretty terrifying. Um, Trump has downplayed it, however, claimed China was involved. It might be Chinese interference coinciding with the election. Lord knows how he's put that one together. But all in all, while it's not a huge story, it again calls into question the at least sensibilities of our government and remind us that Russia is a huge threat. China, yes, is a threat. China is the growing superpower. But you want to talk about already existing superpowers with a grudge against the United States, especially as Trump leaves office. Putin and Trump, of course, have had a very, at least in public, decent relationship. But with Biden moving in, we can only imagine that it'll sour and get worse because Biden's not going to step down for Putin or his aggressive maneuvering in diplomacy or geopolitics. So we can only imagine things will get worse. Make sure to keep your eye out on 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 both, quite frankly, because both are adversaries of the United States. They both do not stand for liberty. They both do not stand for the pursuit of their own citizens' happiness. And that is a problem. And that stands in stark contrast from our Constitution and how our government stands or pretends to stand for. Uh, So moving forward, it is important that we do recognize not only the weaknesses in our our own infrastructure, the weaknesses in our own uh, seemingly infallible defense, but also we do have enemies out there. Being the the dude with the big stick walking around policing all the small countries gets you a lot of enemies, nor is that even right the right approach necessarily, but it is the approach we take and we will pay the price for it eventually. So we got to we got to make sure that we're on that. Uh, and it's something to keep in mind. Moving on to the next topic, uh, we got two words that I really don't like seeing together, martial and law. Now, I like the law and martial arts are pretty cool, but combining them Uh, We have a pretty gross story. Apparently, Trump, in an information meeting with some of his advisors, had thrown around the words martial law as something that he might have to do in order to redo elections to have a fairer and uh, more democratic election. Of course, that seems to be comical in nature and a bit of situational irony. But he has denied it, of course. This is apparently something that he doesn't want to stand by. He's, He's gone out and he denied the fact. But then You look at some of the past, uh, at least affiliates of Donald Trump who have thrown it around. Michael Flynn, the man famously pardoned for perjury, defending Donald Trump um, by pardoned by Donald Trump, 
who had said that uh, at least a few weeks ago had said that Donald Trump should go through with martial law in order to crack down on protesters who would be protesting anything that he had done, plus to run fair elections that would, well, at least in theory, provide the true Democratic leader of the United States. This, of course, would have simply meant that Democrats would not have been able to vote by mail or any of the mail-in votes that Donald Trump would have disliked would have been thrown out and, of course, would have resulted in the Donald Trump presidency and would have flown in the face of Democratic president in the United States of America as a republic. Now, all of that said and digested, this is not normal, and it's something that needs to be reiterated. I talked about it a lot last week, and I'm going to talk about it just quickly now. This is not normal. Do not take this as normal. Do not forget this as normal. This is not how the United States of America is run. We do not have elections in which the other side wins and we pretend it didn't happen and we claim that perhaps we should use martial law to redo elections. That is something that happens in third world countries that do not have democratic trust or democratic institutions that run through their country in, in any, any institutional form. This is the United States of America. We need to understand that that is how these things work. I mean, you look back to 2016, just because Hillary Clinton lost, she conceded the night of. She, she congratulated Donald Trump when it was obvious that she had lost. That was with mail-in ballots, by the way. Mail-in ballots went for Trump. You cannot tell me on either side that this is normal. This is not how it's, it's, not how it's supposed to go, and it's not how it will go moving forward. We cannot allow these things to be normalized. So no, there will be no martial law, there is no insurrection, and there will be no coup. Moving on to a final story, international news. Of course, the COVID-19 vaccines have now come into full swing, which would seem to signal that, yeah, we're moving forward with at least a few you know, baby steps on getting out of this pandemic. That would be phenomenal. Of course, nobody likes quarantine. And moreover, the economic stress that it's putting on nations internationally and especially in the United States is very, very problematic. So the sooner we get out of quarantine, the better. The sooner we get out of this pandemic, better. But we do not want to sacrifice thousands and millions of people's lives for it. So with all of that thought about looking at these vaccines being released at the same time, we are seeing a new mutation of, of COVID in England where it seems to have spawned uh, and at least one case found in Italy. Now, of course, these are very small new developments. This doesn't necessarily mean much, but it is concerning to show that COVID does mutate. And of course, with the, the flu this season, uh, though, thankfully, because people are quarantining, we're seeing lower and lower flu rates. This is one of the best flu seasons we've had, though you could also there, there's more than likely an administrative um, effect of COVID being overanalyzed with people who just get the flu. I fully support that theory just based on the, the logic and facts looking at the statistics of both flu and COVID this season and new COVID, you know, this new COVID strain that would not be responsive to a vaccine. And of course, this vaccine took us quite a long time to get to, and it, it is concerning that perhaps it's all been for naught if this new COVID virus mutation, if you will, does spread out throughout the, the, the population. So internationally, at any rate, people are making big, big stances and very quickly trying to shut this thing down. Yeah, we saw the countries of Italy, Ireland, France, Belgium, and the Netherlands close travel to England because of the new strain shortly following, of course, Italy. But it is at least comforting to realize that international governments and hopefully our national government, especially with the new administration coming forward, they do understand the threat and we are no longer as underestimating it.
This is no longer, ooh, I, I wonder if in a week or two we might be able to do something about this. I wonder if this is actually going to be impactful. We'll wait and see. This is no longer in the wait and see category. This is definitely in the preemptive strike category of action, which is great because the last thing I want personally, and I'm sure everyone else wants, is for this thing to be continued into another year or another two years where we need a new vaccine for a new mutation only for it to mutate again, right? So we can't let this get out of control. And that is what the governments are trying to do with these travel restrictions. Of course, people are still traveling. People are still moving around, uh, which is in within their right. I mean, if they're doing it legally, it's within their right to do so. But it is a dangerous spreading disease. We're in the middle of a pandemic. I understand following Thanksgiving, we saw a spike because, of course, people ignored the orders to stay away from extended family. They had large gatherings and people got sick. Now we're moving into Christmas, which, of course especially with a lot of people being inside a lot of the time, people are going to be coalescing within people's houses for Christmas dinner, for you know Christmas Day, Christmas morning gatherings, Christmas Eve, and then, of course, New Year's, where parties will be happening, I'm sure, regardless of people's national orders. Though, of course, United States has it the worst because their government does not stamp down on these things due to the federalist nature of the states. A lot of states like Florida just simply, and Texas, simply disregard national mandates and they would continue to move forward with having parties, having gatherings uh, and, and open establishments, food, restaurant, bars, all of it. These gatherings, of course, will probably end up paying for more and more American lives uh, to bring it back nationally. But you look at places like France, Israel with curfews that are enforced by the police. You look even further to places like India, where they have very extreme and very odd punishments like making people who are found without a mask outside in public to do push-ups to prove that, you know, that they're strong, stuff like that. It's it's strange and it's weird, but it's this sort of effect that is trying, it, it shows the true determination by governments to try and get through this. You look especially to Eastern Asian countries like China, Japan, they've nearly quarantined the entire country for the last six months and it's almost gone. The virus is non-existent in most of those countries, and it's not due to low testing. It's not. It's because they're just trying harder. Their citizens are obeying the laws and obeying the mandates, and it's working. And then you look at places like the United States where people still regularly go out to eat. They regularly get in delivery, and they regularly keep visiting other people during these holidays as they stay in because they feel like it's their cheat day. But when your cheat day on a diet gains you a pound or two, your cheat day during quarantine will kill somebody. It's really the stakes are not understood, and it, it, I'm sure it has something to do with the at least psychological development of Americans because we believe that everything is for us to take, and that is just the nature of the situation as it extrapolates, of course. So we're going to see continued virus uh, expansion, and, and hopefully with this mutation, we don't see an, a, at least a second wave of that mutation because that will be untreatable, at least for the time being. And especially speaking of treatment, looking at the United States healthcare system that is now hitting max capacity, at least places like Los Angeles, they reported, at least in the general Los Angeles area, at least a 100% capacity in ICU beds. They're now moving into overflow and creating new beds with, of course, reduced care, reduced and diminishing returns. It is not a good situation. Keep in mind that while, yes, the numbers are, are you know, staying the same and, and slightly turning up. We're starting to hit our, our natural capacity. Our carrying capacity for this environment is getting to its maximum. And when it does, we're going to see fatalities on a scale that we haven't seen so far in the pandemic. And those fatalities are still hovering around 3,000 a day, which is a 
every single day, which is something difficult to stomach and difficult to imagine because looking back to 9-11, we saw a national upheaval. We saw people move. We, we, we entered three wars because of that tragedy. Not to say those weren't, well, in hindsight, they were not great calls, but not to say at least the national fervor wasn't unjustified. But looking at it now, nobody cares. In fact, some people look at it with, with some sort of delight because, hey, they're getting it. But of course, it's not real numbers or, or it's the fake news. So they just laugh it off. And, and that's a problem. And that's, of course, going to be the American problem quintessentially moving forward with this pandemic and the coronavirus lockdowns with these new COVID restrictions coming in with the new administration, as well as this new strand, this mutation. Uh, and honestly, I have no idea where it's going to go. But all I can leave you with is, is hoping that you stay happy, healthy during the holidays. Make sure to practice safe family gatherings. Be safe. Be smart. Do not be stupid. Uh, that's all it boils down to. And uh, happy holidays. Thank you for listening through to the end. We'd really appreciate it if you check us out at Aligning America on Instagram and Twitter. And if you really enjoyed it and want more content like this, be sure to head over to our Patreon to ensure we can keep putting out episodes, changing hearts and minds one podcast at a time. Thank you.